0: Hello friends, it's August 29th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide. My name is David McAdam, and I'm happy to be reading the Bible with you today and serving as your tour guide as we make our way through the 66 books of the Bible. We want to be sure that you don't miss out on some of the important details that we'll be observing in each day's reading. We are currently reading the oldest account in the Old Testament, the book of Job. As we clarified when we began reading the book, there are three sections. There's the prologue, there's the dialogue, and the epilogue. In the prologue, we gain spiritual intelligence as to what is going on in the unseen realm of spiritual realities. Satan is bringing a charge against Job, accusing him of being an expedient worshiper. In the dialogue section, we see that Job is confronted by three of his friends who intend to be comforters but provide little comfort. These are the words of Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. As we pick up our reading today, the words of Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar have ended. Each one has had at least two opportunities to take the floor. Eliphaz and Bildad have had three. We have been reading Job's final defense, and just when we think the debate is winding down and all has been said, we hear from a character named Elihu, a fourth friend in chapter 32. Unbeknownst to us, he's been listening to the rhetorical arguments that have been going on from the beginning. Although he appears to be more modest, he comes across as an angry young man, as we shall see. Let's go now to Job's defense in chapter 31 and will begin reading from verse 1, and I am reading from the English Standard Version. Job chapter 31 Job's final appeal I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? What would be my portion from God above and my heritage from the Almighty on high? Is not calamity for the unrighteous and disaster for the workers of iniquity? Does not he see my ways and number all my steps? If I have walked with falsehood, and my foot has hastened to deceit, let me be weighed in a just balance, and let God know my integrity. If my step has turned aside from the way, and my heart has gone after my eyes, and if any spot has stuck to my hands, then let me sow and another eat, and let what grows for me be rooted out. If my heart has been enticed toward a woman, and I have lain in wait at my neighbor's door, then let my wife grind for another, and let others bow down on her. For that would be a heinous crime, and would be an iniquity to be punished by the judges, for that would be a fire that consumes as far as Abaddon, and it would burn to the root all my increase. If I have rejected the cause of my manservant or my maidservant, when they brought a complaint against me, what then shall I do when God rises up when he makes inquiry what shall I answer him did not he who made me in the womb make him and did not one fashion us in the womb if I have withheld anything that the poor desired or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail or have eaten my morsel alone and the fatherless has not eaten of it for from my youth the fatherless grew up with me as with a father and from my mother's womb I guided the widow. If I have seen anyone perish for lack of clothing, or the needy without covering, if his body has not blessed me, and if he was not warmed with the fleece of my sheep, if I have raised my hand against the fatherless, because I saw my help in the gate, then let my shoulder blade fall from my shoulder, and let my arm be broken from its socket, for I was in terror of calamity from God and I could not have faced his majesty. If I have made gold my trust or called fine gold my confidence, if I have rejoiced because my wealth was abundant or because my hand had found much, if I had looked at the sun when it shone or the moon moving in splendor and my heart has been secretly enticed and my mouth has kissed my hand, this also would be an iniquity to be punished by the judges for I would have been false to God above. If I have rejoiced at the ruin of him who hated me, or exulted when evil overtook him, I have not let my mouth sin by asking for his life with a curse. If the men of my tent have not said, Who is there that has not been filled with his meat? The sojourner has not lodged in the street, I have opened my doors to the traveller. If I have concealed my transgressions as others do, by hiding my iniquity in my heart, because I stood in great fear of the multitude, and the contempts of families terrified me, so that I kept silence and did not go out of doors, Oh, that I had one to hear me! Here is my signature, let the Almighty answer me, Oh, that I had the indictment written by my adversary! Surely I would carry it on my shoulder, I would bind it on me as a crown, I would give him an account of all my steps, like a prince I would approach him. If my land has cried out against me, and its furrows have wept together, if I have eaten its yield without payment, and made its owners breathe their last, let thorns grow instead of wheat, and foul weeds instead of barley. The words of Job are ended. Elihu rebukes Job's three friends. Chapter 32. So these three men ceased to answer Job, because he was righteous in his own eyes. Then Elihu the son of Barakal, the Buzite of the family of Ram burned with anger. He burned with anger at Job because he justified himself rather than God. He burned with anger also at Job's three friends because they had found no answer although they had declared Job to be in the wrong. Now Elihu had waited to speak to Job because they were older than he and when Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, he burned with anger. And Elihu, the son of Barakal the Buzite, answered and said, I am young in years, and you are aged. Therefore I was timid and afraid to declare my opinion to you. I said, Let days speak, and many years teach wisdom. But it is the spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty, that makes him understand. It is not the old who are wise, nor the aged who understand what is right, Therefore I say, Listen to me, let me also declare my opinion. Behold, I waited for your words, I listened for your wise sayings, while you searched out what to say. I gave you my attention, and behold, there was none among you who refuted Job, or who answered his words. Beware lest you say, We have found wisdom. God may vanquish him, not a man. He has not directed his words against me, and I will not answer him with your speeches. They are dismayed, they answer no more. They have not a word to say. And shall I wait because they do not speak? Because they stand there and answer no more? I also will answer with my share. I also will declare my opinion. For I am full of words. The spirit within me constrains me. Behold, my belly is like wine that has no vent. Like new wineskins ready to burst. I must speak that I may find relief. I must open my lips and answer. I will not show partiality to any man. Or use flattery toward any person. For I do not know how to flatter, else my Maker would soon take me away. Chapter 33 Elihu rebukes Job. But now hear my speech, O Job, and listen to all my words. Behold, I open my mouth, the tongue in my mouth speaks. My words declare the uprightness of my heart, and what my lips know, they speak sincerely. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life answer me if you can set your words in order before me take your stand behold i am toward god as you are i too was pitched off from a piece of clay behold no fear of me need terrify you my pressure will not be heavy upon you surely you have spoken in my ears and i have heard the sound of your words you say i am pure without transgression i am clean and there is no iniquity in me Behold, he finds occasions against me, he counts me as his enemy, he puts my feet in the stocks and watches all my paths. Behold, in this you are not right, I will answer you, for God is greater than man. Why do you contend against him, saying, He will answer none of man's words? For God speaks in one way, and in two, though man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, while they slumber on their beds. Then he opens the ears of men and terrifies them with warnings, that he may turn man aside from his deed and conceal pride from a man. He keeps back his soul from the pit, his life from perishing by the sword. Man is also rebuked with pain on his bed, and with continual strife in his bones, so that his life loathes bread, and his appetite the choicest food. His flesh is so wasted away that it cannot be seen, and his bones that were not seen stick out his soul draws near the pit, and his life to those who bring death. If there be for him an angel, a mediator, one of the thousand, to declare to man what is right for him, and he is merciful to him and says, Deliver him from going down into the pit, I have found a ransom. Let his flesh become fresh with youth, let him return to the days of his youthful vigor. Then man prays to God, and he accepts him, he sees his face with a shout of joy and he restores to man his righteousness. He sings before men and says, I sinned and perverted what was right, and it was not repaid to me. He has redeemed my soul from going down into the pit, and my life shall look upon the light. Behold, God does all these things, twice, three times, with a man, to bring back his soul from the pit, that he might be lighted with the light of life. Pay attention, O Job, listen to me. Be silent and I will speak. If you have any words, Answer me, speak, for I desire to justify you. If not, listen to me, be silent, and I will teach you wisdom. And this concludes today's reading from the Old Testament passage from the book of Job. Let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read. In Job chapter 31, in Job's self defense against his accusers, he claims to have kept himself pure by keeping a covenant made with his eyes. The eye allows images to soak into our souls. What we focus on is absorbed and recorded on the internal hard drive of our memory bank, forever accessible to our personal operating system. Images can come back to haunt us, lure us, mislead, arouse, or destroy us. Job recognizes the danger of entertaining our imaginations with lust-generating lures. Eye candy brings hollow pleasures that, once swallowed, release enslaving and corrupting influences on the heart and mind. Lust is an appetite for pretty poison. In the book of Leviticus, the Bible likens sin to an infectious skin disease, such as leprosy. Once you touch something that is unclean, you become contaminated. Lust infects your system like a toxin. Not only does it corrupt you within, but it isolates you from others and robs your potential for true intimacy in marriage. At first, your only symptom of infection is a subtle spot on the surface of the skin. It is a private matter; only you notice it. But the rotting has begun. Soon it destroys the whole body. Sexual impurity prevents us from true communion with God and sabotages our potential to glorify God with our bodies. In First Corinthians chapter six, verse eighteen, we read: "Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body." Job does not take lust lightly for lust is a shameful sin, a crime that should be punished. It is a fire that burns all the way to hell. It would wipe out everything I own. Job chapter 31, verses 11 and 12. Yet Job recognizes his own corruptibility in this matter. Therefore, he makes a covenant with his eyes not to look lustfully upon a young woman. He predetermines to have his eyes bounce away from that which might otherwise entice him. In the chapters to come, Job's eyes will behold a sight so brilliant that it will turn his own comeliness to corruption and spawn a deeper repentance in his life. As Job asserts his integrity, he calls for appropriate retribution. There are a series of if-and-let statements. He knows that iniquity requires punishment, wrongs done to others require compensation. He makes his appeal to God, if I have walked with falsehood, let him weigh me with accurate scales. If my step has turned from the way, let me sow and another eat. If my heart has been enticed by a woman, or I have lurked at my neighbor's doorway, such as voyeurism, may my wife grind another man's grain, and may other men sleep with her. If I have denied justice to my manservants and maidservants, let me be brought to account. Job is holding himself accountable to what he knows to be right. Otherwise, he asks, What then could I do when God arises? and when he calls me to account, what will I answer him? Job chapter 31, verse 14. Job affirms the image of God in man, even in the womb. Did not he who made me in the womb make him and the same one fashion us in the womb? Job 31, verse 15. He holds himself accountable to be compassionate toward the needs of the poor, to be ready to offer them food and clothing, in verses 16-19. through 19. He knows the danger of trusting in money more than God, He knows that mankind's deceitful heart has a proclivity to idolatry, such as we find in the sun salutations of yoga. If I have looked at the sun when it shone, or the moon going in splendor, and my heart became secretly enticed, and my hand threw a kiss from my mouth, that too would have been an iniquity calling for judgment, for I would have denied God above. Job chapter 31 verses 26 through 28. Job's prayer calls for God's answer in the cross of Christ. Oh, that I had one to hear me. Behold, here is my signature. Let the Almighty answer me and the indictment which my adversary has written. Surely I would carry it on my shoulder. I would bind it to myself like a crown. Job chapter 31, verses 35 through 36. Jesus takes the indictment on his shoulder. He takes it in the suffering of the crown of thorns and the body of his flesh, when he became the perfect sin offering for us. Job makes an appeal for a mediator, an advocate, as he did in chapter nine, verse 33. God hears that prayer and answers it perfectly in Christ. Jesus does listen to us. He came to earth, not just to observe our sufferings, but to take them upon himself. He came to exercise his royal prerogative to bear them on the cross and make atonement for our sins there. Elihu is the youngest of Job's friends. He loudly defends his humility. He's waited long to express his thoughts, deferring to his elders, but he is bursting with what he believes a righteous retort. He sees himself as God's defender, as if God needed one. Many of the things he says in his defense of God are true, but they are not applicable to Job's situation. This will become clearer as the story progresses lie whose monologue shall remind us to be careful even when we are feeling assured that we are right about a certain thing. God knows things that we do not. We would do well to take the advice of James, be swift to hear and slow to speak. James chapter one verse 19. A lie who also sees a need for a mediator. If there is an angel as mediator for him, one out of a thousand, to remind a man what is right for him, Then let him be gracious to him, and say, Deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. In Job 33, verses 23 to 24, Jesus is that ransom. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, the New Testament letter of Paul to the Corinthians second corinthians chapter 3 verses 1 through 18 ministers of the new covenant are we beginning to commend ourselves again or do we need as some do letters of recommendation to you or from you you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all and you show that you are a letter from christ delivered by us written not with ink but with the spirit of the living god not on tablets of stone but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. The Apostle Paul calls us to be confident in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We preach a person, not a religion. We preach Christ, not ourselves. The Gospel has qualities that surpass the ministry of religion as represented by the Old Covenant. Only the ministry of the New Covenant of God's grace can give lasting hope, impart the knowledge of God's glory, and grant pardon rather than condemnation. Only the ministry of the Gospel can transform us into the likeness of the Lord of Glory. Only by the Holy Spirit and the revelation of Jesus Christ through the Word are we able to turn to God, look to Him, and rely upon Him to become all that He has already made us to be. And who are we? We are part of a new creation in Christ, reflecting the light of His glory. Are you a living letter? citing what God can do to bring a soul that was dead in sin to life and transformation? May we all be living recommendation letters of what the gospel can do. And now for our next stop on our Bible reading tour, we go to the Bible songbook and prayer book, the book of Psalms, Psalm 43, verses 1 through 5. Send out your light and your truth, Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. As we learned yesterday, this psalm is a complement to the previous psalm, Psalm 42. We hear the repeated question, Why are you downcast, O my soul? And the answer, Hope in God. Psalm 43, verse 5. He begins with a plea for deliverance from an unjust man and an ungodly nation. He's experiencing spiritual depression and oppression. For you are the God of my strength. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? In verse 2, his prayer request is one that we can echo today. O send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places. In verse 3, as in the previous psalm, He expresses a longing to worship in the company of god's people and take joy in god's presence then i will go to the altar of god to god my exceeding joy and upon the lyre i shall praise you O god my god psalm 43 verse 4 the lord is his salvation or as the new american standard bible translates it the help of my countenance he is our only safe haven we need his light and his truth And now for our final stop on today's Bible reading tour, we go to the Bible's treasure chest of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 22, verses 8 and 9. Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity, and the rod of his fury will fail. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. We learn from this proverb that those who plant injustice will harvest disaster. Verse 9 reminds us that there is a reward for those who recognize the abundance of God's merciful provision towards them and are generous to the poor. The irony is that they are not prisoners to their selfish desires. They have a benevolent disposition, an abundance mentality, and are ready to share their material blessings with those in need. Let's pray together. Lord, we desire to be living letters, testimonies of what your saving grace can do. Give us a holy resolve to stay true to what we know is pleasing to you. May we hold ourselves accountable in the details of our daily living. We make a covenant with our eyes and our hearts to steer clear of idolatrous desires. Thank you for the new covenant of your grace in which you, the lawgiver, become the law-keeper in our hearts, teaching us to say no to ungodliness and yes to that which is right, good, and honoring to your nature. We ask that you continue to send forth your light and your power through the ministry of your church. In Jesus' name, amen. This concludes today's excursion through the One Year Bible, and we look forward to picking up where we left off tomorrow. And I challenge you to think about those you might invite to share your Bible reading journey. If you haven't done so already, I recommend that you subscribe to this podcast. One of the benefits is that you will get a prompt to know when fresh episodes are available. If you'd like to know more about our ministries, you can go to our website, newlife.org. You can also subscribe there to a written copy of our daily commentary on each day's readings. As always, it's good to have you with us, and we hope you can join with us tomorrow. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in abundance. Shalom.